My friends, grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whom we are granted forgiveness, life, and salvation by being baptized into his death and therefore into his resurrection as well by the grace and mercy of our God. Amen. At Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. And there in the water, dripping wet, Jesus was surrounded by sinners looking for a word of God's mercy. And Jesus' ministry in the world begins. The Gospel of Mark doesn't seem to care about his birth or his upbringing or his origin story. Where he came from and whatever brought him to this point are mere small potatoes in comparison to the grand feast of the kingdom that will come from what he is going to do in the world. But it's as good a place as any to start, for the sinners were coming out there in droves to see John confessing their sins and looking to receive God's mercy. And just look what appears to them. Forgiveness, there in the flesh, all wet, God's beloved Son coming to give them what they need. Forgiving sin is no easy job, of course, because people want to keep their sin hidden. <laughs> Don't you know that? In fact, we want to keep it hidden so much that most of it we keep hidden in plain view, showing off to the world the things that we are most proud of, the things that make us who we are, the idols that we cling to for comfort and security. We put them right out for everyone to see so that we don't have to be ashamed of them. Yes, sure, there are also the mistakes that we make and the things that we are ashamed of, and some of those we keep hidden way down as well, but those are usually the things that we're looking to be relieved of, the things that we'll confess at least to God, if not to our close friends. But the ones that we cling to, the ones that we won't let go of, the ones that we have convinced ourselves make God pleased with us, these are the things, the thoughts, the deeds where we find ourselves to be righteous, courageous, and better than everybody else. Well, those are hard sin to forgive because we've convinced ourselves that they aren't sin. But anything that is not Christ, we know, is sin for us. And so sinners won't have it. They won't take forgiveness for this, which is exactly why Jesus' ministry starts with a promise from God, a word for him to cling to as everyone in the world comes to hate him. They will speak all sorts of evil against him. Just read through the Gospels. He's the devil, they say. He's the unclean one, they claim. 
He's a blasphemer. He's the problem, don't you know? Everything was going along just fine until he showed up. And then towards the end, I don't even know him. I would never want to be associated with him. And finally, all together, every voice claiming, crucify him. I guess you could say that the sin of the world is going to weigh on him. But another way to say it is that his ministry is to take the sin of the world upon himself in order to forgive it. And all that it will require is his life to do so. And all that he will have while he is beaten and killed is this promise, this word from God the Father, you are my son. So that when all others speak evil of him, and wherever he turns and finds people's pain and sorrow and burden, and the sin of the world attacks and condemns him to death, he has God's promise. No matter what they say, I am pleased with you. Baptism, forgiveness, and death are always inseparably connected so that throughout the New Testament, we are reminded that as God's people, as people chosen, claimed by God, we have been baptized into Christ's death. In fact, the Bible tells us again and again that we have died. That is, we have already died in him. Not that we will die or that we need to find a way to die or that we should die, but that we have died. By being baptized, we are baptized into Christ's death so that through the water and the word of God, we die to sin altogether. God has claimed you, and a claim means that nothing else can have you. So, as Colossians 3.3 says it to us so well, you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That is quite a sharp turn from the world that we live in that insists upon avoiding and evading death altogether, trying to sidestep it and find a way around it. Yes, we want to avoid it and escape it. But baptism, Jesus' baptism, is him stepping into the world, engaging with the powers of sin and death in order to remove death's power so that it would have no hold bearing or voice for you any longer. A while ago, I ran into this great little gospel song from Johnny Cash entitled, The Kneeling Drunkard's Plea. The refrain throughout this short song repeats, Lord, have mercy on me. On first listen, it sounds quite upbeat. But as you listen more carefully, you hear a real great sadness that the song is communicating behind the melody. 
Now, we are told very little about this drunkard's story, and other than drinking, we don't quite know what has consumed his life, but drinking has consumed him so much that it's become his name for us listening to the song. As is possible when music and poetry combine to make songs, this brief song, of course, tells a deeper story than is contained in these few words for us. The drunkard is found kneeling alone at an old country church where he is pleading for God for mercy. And you get an inkling of all the regret that he's carrying through his life. Who knows how many people he's disappointed? Who knows how many people he's harmed throughout his life? But here he is asking for mercy. It's in the middle of the song, however, that, the song, that we get a little more clarity about his life because from the deathbed, his mother makes a request. Her dying request is that they bring her darling little boy to see her. She's the only one, it seems, who sees him as something other than a drunk and a screw-up. And even though you get the feeling in this song that he hasn't been to see her in a long, long time, all she wants is to see her darling boy one more time. Despite whatever has happened to him, whatever ills he has caused in the world, wherever he's been, whoever he's wronged, she just, in her dying breath, wants to see him, her beloved. The climax of the song occurs right after this, when the drunkard actually arrives at his mother's home. Staggering through the gates, there he is, walking up to see his mother, so grasped by his worldly identity that he couldn't even clean himself up for one day to see her. And adding insult to injury, he arrives one day too late, and she's already died. Maybe just another screw-up, another disappointment, this time toward the one person who saw him as something other than worthless. And now she's gone, and so it's a really sad story. And we understand that he's now kneeling over her grave at the end of this song, in tears, asking for God's mercy. I won't spoil the song's very end for you. You can find it easily online. I recommend it to you. But we all want so badly to hear that God hears this drunkard's plea, don't we? That he's kneeling there in need, and we want to hear it for ourselves, too, that God's mercy comes for us. Well, I don't know where you are at this week, what the week has held for you. Perhaps you've been bound up in fits of your own shame, hiding from what you've done. Or perhaps pride and righteousness has caused you to look at others with scorn and envy. Maybe you've suffered a deep loss or sadness has held you down and has gripped you so, and won't let you go. Maybe it's all of these in certain times. 
But on top of all those, I think we've all been troubled watching the institutions and ideals of our nature, the traditions and structures that we look to for stability and security, have shown new cracks and holes to us all this week. In any case, wherever you've been, whatever has happened to you, God today is giving us something more sure than even this world could ever give. It is this promise of mercy, forgiveness, and life in Christ. For we have God's promise. The promise that in baptism we are joined to Jesus' death. And they're also joined to his resurrection. So that you would always know every single moment of every single day no matter what tries to cling to you, that God thinks of you as his beloved darling child. So that even more surely than this world is bent on death, we would find our lives hidden in Christ, who is absolutely 100% bent on giving his new life to you. Amen.